Good morning, City family. Welcome to another edition at Church at Home. This is part two of You Can't Handle This. Last week was all about how do we internally work through anxiety, worry, and stress. This one is all about what do you do when someone throws you into the fire? What do you do when someone attacks you, they come at you, they make a false accusation, when a person is like the source of that stress and they're really pushing on you and coming at you? How do we respond? How do we navigate that and get through that? This is one of the most complex things in life. I feel like handling an accusation, dealing with drama, misunderstanding, miscommunication, maybe someone's just jealous and they're coming at you. This is complex Christianity. It is hard to learn how to navigate, I think, just these complex situations. Now, in Daniel chapter three, I think we get a good picture of how as believers we can respond in, in a few ways. And that's why I wanna focus on Daniel chapter three today. I would love for you to get your Bibles out right now, maybe follow along on the Bible app. We are gonna use the text and kind of go through it a little bit more than normal, just to pull some of these bits of wisdom out today so it could really help our lives as we try to figure out how do we navigate it when someone is the source of our pressure and they're they're coming for us. A few times in my life in ministry, I, I've had this happen to me. Uh, it was always painful. Every single encounter was painful. It was hard. There was misunderstanding, accusations involved in every single one, and, and it hurt. And I, I had to learn, and I'm still learning, because I think it's just so hard, still learning how to let go, how to let God defend me, uh, how to forgive, how to not worry about it, and I can't control what somebody else thinks about me or says about me. These are all very hard things. And so I, I think when, when you are a good person and you, and you wanna love people and you wanna expand God's kingdom and you wanna just do a good job, I think these kind of scenarios are always so hard to navigate because it's just not who you are and it's, it's tough. It's just tough. Uh, if, if you look at the text here, Daniel chapter three, verse one, the first person introduced is King Nebuchadnezzar. He's the king of Babylon. At this time, Babylon is one of the biggest and baddest kingdoms on the earth. Uh, the king is used to getting what he wants. His, his commands, these things are rules set in stone. There's no Supreme Court to go to, can't change it. It's not a democracy. He's not getting voted out of power. power. Uh, he's there to stay and he gets what he wants. So he's a very powerful figure. And he, he makes a statue of gold. He makes an idol. He's hired this massive band. He wants everyone across the kingdom, when they hear the music playing, to bow down and worship this statue. And, and here, here's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get caught. They get caught because God has said that we shouldn't worship any other idols, but that we should only worship God. And so they're not necessarily trying to attack King Nebuchadnezzar. They're not trying to be disrespectful to the king. They're simply trying to follow God. One of the things that I've realized in my life is sometimes I take the most criticism when I step out and make a decision to follow what God has told me. When God speaks to us in our heart sometimes or he's leading our life or he gives us an instruction, sometimes that's very hard to translate to other people. And what I've found to be true in life is sometimes when God will talk to me, that doesn't mean that God talks to the people around me. And he even did this with Mary, right? He tells Mary, you're gonna have Jesus and give, give birth, but he doesn't tell 
Joseph until later. Joseph was going to break up with her. He doesn't tell her family, doesn't tell her village. That's why they had to leave, right? I mean, the village could have stoned her. So it's interesting that he told Mary you're going to have Jesus, but he didn't tell everybody around her. Sometimes God will talk to you. He doesn't tell the people around you. And that can always kind of create a weird scenario. Sometimes you're just trying to follow God and it, it can create drama. And I think sometimes, and I've learned as a Christian, that sometimes that's where you pay your greatest prices is, is trying to follow God or trying to follow a godly boundary. And it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to step on some people's toes, whether you want it to or not. It, it can sometimes create drama. Okay, let, let's go on. So uh, basically that's verses one through six. It's setting up the, the story. And let's jump to verse eight. This is what I want to focus on now. Let me, let me go ahead and read this. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to the king, uh, they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever, right? So they're puffing him up. And, and in verse 10, they say, your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, it's a lot of instruments. I told you it was a big band. And all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of your province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, your majesty. They neither served your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. So dude, these guys, these astrologers, dude, these guys are snitches. They, they, they go Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They call them out by name. They, they make it sound worse than what it is. They're saying, hey, they pay no attention to you. They're being disrespectful. You know, and we don't know the backstory. Maybe these astrologers were jealous of these guys. Maybe they were prejudiced that they were Jewish. Maybe, maybe they had a run-in with them. We have no idea. What we do know is they do not have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's best interest in mind. They're not necessarily being loving. They don't care how it turns out for them. You know, they're just coming at them. And this is their opportunity. They were watching them, and this is their opportunity now to get them and, and accuse them. You know, what I have painfully learned is not everyone has your best interest in mind. Not everyone likes you. Not everyone wants to see you win or succeed. Most people are amazing. They're gonna cheer you on. They're gonna celebrate you. They're gonna deal with their own jealousy if they have that. But every now and then you're gonna run into somebody and they don't necessarily want the best for you. In fact, it's been said that about one in a hundred are narcissists. One in a hundred are psychopath narcissists. I seem to run into them about every five years. It's not any fun. A narcissist is never wrong in their own mind. And if you tell them that they're wrong or there might be a different way of viewing it, get ready for a reaction. Get ready for an explosion. It's just not fun. Um, I'm going to go old school here this morning on this illustration. Some of you might remember the Karate Kid. Not, not, the, not the one with Jackie Chan, the recent one, but I'm talking the old school one with Daniel's son, Mr. Miyagi. And they, they actually did a couple movies, but the second one is the one I want to talk about today. And in the second one, they go to this island, Okinawa, and you know it's kind of got some bad blood with some Mr. Miyagi relationships from many years before. And one of these, these guys that he had a broken relationship with had a nephew. And this guy does not like Daniel's son, right? Like he does not like him at all. He's coming at him. He's trying to create problems for him. And Daniel is like, yo, what's the deal, man? I don't want any trouble. He's what he says to this character. And the guy shoots back and he says, well, maybe trouble's looking for you. Maybe trouble's looking for you. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that day, they didn't wake up and say, man, let me create problems for myself. 
Let, let's get in trouble today. Let's, let's have a fight with the astrologers. Let's, let's get a bunch of drama going. They were just trying to follow God, do their best, live their best life now. And these astrologers came for them so many times in life. You're just doing your own thing, staying in your lane, trying to live your life. And, and the problem, the accusation, it's coming for you. The trouble's coming for you. So what do we do when, when it comes? And you know, it's, it's not, not any fun at all. Uh, you know, nine times out of 10, I really believe that people treat us not based on who we are, but based on who they are. So when you really get that attacking, that false accusation, the slander, that whatever it is, if they're jealous, whatever it is, you know, it's much more about who they are and much less about who you are except it just feels very personal, doesn't it? It feels like, yo, that's, that's a personal attack. Now I'm in the fire. Now I got to navigate all this. And I wasn't looking for it, but yo, it, it came to me, it hit me. So the first thing they went through was the accusation. They went through the accusation. Uh, the second thing is the response. And this is what I want to zero in on because they did a lot of things right here. Let's jump down to verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. First thing I want to focus on is they simply said, we do not need to defend ourselves to you. It takes a mature Christian to calm down and not defend themselves. That is a powerful thought that I don't have to defend myself, but I can trust God to defend me. In fact, when we pick it up and we try to defend ourselves, we often make it much worse. Another thing they did really, really well here is they weren't disrespectful to the king. They simply stated they, their boundary. They stated what they could do and what they couldn't do. They didn't say, King, listen, your idol is trash. Our God is real. You're wrong. We're right. You're a narcissist. You're used to getting what you want. You crazy. They didn't say that. They simply said, here's what we can do. Here's what we can't do. They didn't say, listen, King, you know those astrologers? Those guys are nuts, man. Like they're, they're crazy. They're wrong. They just don't like us. They're prejudiced. They didn't attack anybody. They simply stated their boundary. Again, mature Christianity that, you know, it is so hard. When someone attacks you, it is so hard not to want to attack back. Uh, when someone slanders you, it's so hard not to want to slander back. You know, when somebody gets you in trouble, it's so hard not to respond out of emotion. These guys responded out of wisdom. They recognized, I can't change anyone's behavior. I can't change anyone's mind. I don't even need to defend myself right now. I'm just going to say what I can do and what I can't do and be okay with however it turns out. This is mature Christianity. This is somebody, when you see somebody respond like this and with this much peace, these guys are mature. In my life, I have not gotten there yet. I've been serving Jesus about 20 years. I'm still growing in God myself. I'm getting closer to it. Whoa, it's so hard. I'm growing. I don't know if I'm at the level these guys are at. An incredible amount of maturity and the way that they responded. You know, it, it takes a revelation to realize only God can change a heart, only God can change a mind, and I'm not God. And, and I'll, if God wants to do it this way or that way, whatever, I'll let him do it. And but here's, here's my boundary. Whoa, I love it, I love it. So they state their boundary with respect. It is still enough to make the king furious, right? And he decides, I'm gonna throw these jokers in the fire anyway. He is so mad at them. He's furious. He's used to getting what he wants, right? And so he's probably a narcissist himself. In, in chapter four, we discover he is a very proud person. When you tell a proud person no, 
get ready for conflict, get ready to be attacked. And that's just the way pride, proud people are. Uh, and it's unfortunate, but it's kind of, kind of the truth. But again, people will treat you based on who they are, not really based on who you are. It's what's in them that's what comes out of them that's so hard. Now, so they, they have the accusation, they have the response, full of love, full of maturity. They choose not to attack back. They simply state their boundary. And, and number three, the fire. Now they are in the fire. Worst case scenarios happened. They weren't able to talk it through. This is what it looks like when you get fire or when the relationship is totally over. Uh, it crashes and burns. Uh, you've lost the friendship. Whatever it is, this is the fire. Now they're in the furnace. Worst case scenarios happened. Uh, they get thrown in. So let me start reading in verse 19. So King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Ooh, let's, uh, let's go on. Verse 24, the king Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisor, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Verse 25, he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. All right, let's stop. So Jesus shows up. They get thrown in the fire. God decides to move. Jesus shows up. Here's the point I want to make that I love so much. The presence of Jesus was enough in this moment. Jesus didn't shout at the king. Jesus didn't even talk to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He, he didn't give a prophetic word. He was just present. That tells me that the presence of Jesus is enough for me when I go through the fire. In fact, the, the guys that threw them into the fire, these strong soldiers, they all died, yet they survived. That tells me that trials that other people can't handle, you can handle because Jesus is simply with you and his presence is enough. You know, when God moves, I don't have to convince anybody of anything. When God decides to move on my behalf and, and he feels like it's time to rescue me or come through for me or bless me, I don't have to convince anybody of anything. It is evident. Can I just tell you right now that when God moves on your behalf, you don't have to convince anybody, you don't gotta argue with anybody, but it will be evident to everybody that God is with you and his presence saved you in the fire and got you through something you couldn't get yourself through. Come on, somebody, if I was with you right now, I would be preaching this thing like I'd be shouting the paint off the walls right now. The presence of Jesus is enough in your life and you're gonna get through it and it's gonna be evident to everybody when God moves. Now, so the accusation, the response, the fire, now you've got what I call the flip. Now you've got what I call the flip. King Nebuchadnezzar in verse 28 says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. And then verse 30, then the king promoted 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is when the script gets completely flipped. The king that was furious at them and threw them into the fire is now celebrating them and their God and promoting them. The very thing the enemy meant for their evil, God has turned around and worked for their good, right? And then he says, listen, everybody even talks bad about these guys or talks bad about their God they're gonna be cut into the pieces. What is he saying? Man, snitches get stitches. If you astrologers wanna say anything else in the future, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna tear you guys up. Now, so, so the people that were attacking them, man, God dealt with them in his own way. Again, if we let God defend us, God will deal with them in his time and in his way. And you know, he is a God of love and mercy, and he's also a God of protection and a God of justice. And again, just maturity to let God work his will out and, and do it. And here's to me is one of the most beautiful things in this whole thing is in, in the next chapter, we find that God is really dealing with Nebuchadnezzar. And in the end, Nebuchadnezzar gives glory to God and recognizes that he's not the powerful person that he thought he was, but really it's the God of the universe that all the glory should go to. I wonder if part of why Nebuchadnezzar didn't turn around was because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were such an amazing witness to God. They, they weren't disrespectful, they weren't slanderous, they didn't attack, but they were faithful to trust God. And what a witness of power to King Nebuchadnezzar and that ultimately he turns around. You don't know sometimes it's the very people that are attacking you and because you respond in love and mercy and grace that they start seeing an image of this God. They start getting a picture of the love of Jesus and God might be working on their heart. In fact, sometimes it's the people that attack us the most. They're the ones who need Jesus the most. They need a witness of God's love and God might wanna use you even in the fire to be a witness to them. So much in this text. I feel like I could go on for so long, but I know that I'm, I'm already getting close to my time. Before I close today, though, I hope, I hope you felt encouraged. There's so much in this text. Go back through this text a couple times yourself. So much in how we respond to people. And, and it's so hard. Walk in love. Trust God as you get thrown in the fire, if you ever get thrown in the fire. And, and don't attack back. I think Jesus is, you know, he's our example in all things. And when Jesus was crucified, when he was accused, when they were gambling over his clothes and they were shouting at him, he was silent and suffering and he forgave the people that attacked him. If you're silent and suffering and you choose not to attack back when people attack you and, and you're, you're trusting God with the outcome and you're willing to forgive the people that hurt you, you're not gonna go wrong with that. That is right where God wants your heart. And I believe you can rest and trust God. And he, he might work it one way, he might work it a, a different way that's even better in the end, but he's gonna move on your life as you follow him. And so, so rest in that and trust him. He is a faithful God. And he may not square away next week, but eventually he's, he's gonna square away because he is, he's a just God. Before I close today, if you do not know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I want you to know God is not mad at you, rather he loves you. And the Bible says that God came, that is, is, a, is a man, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for you to forgive your sins. And we're not trying to point you out today. The Bible says everyone has sinned. No way do we stand like we're better than you or, or, or do I think I'm better than you. We're all in the same boat. We were people in need of Jesus, in need of a Savior. And God simply says if you invite Jesus to come into your heart, you confess him with your mouth, and you begin to follow him and ask him to forgive your sins, that he will forgive you, that you will go from spiritual death to spiritual life, and you can actually have newness and new life in Christ. If you want that today, simply say this. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. God, be my father. Help me to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
If you decided to pray that prayer and you meant it from your heart today, I wanna welcome you into the family of God. A prayer does not save you, a person does. His name is Jesus. And now you begin a process of following God. If you prayed that prayer, reach out to us online. Our website is coming up right now. Simply click on the New Here tab, fill out a connection card. Let us know that you made that that decision to follow follow God and we'll get some resources to help you. We wanna just maybe even a Zoom call and just get you started in your, your walk with Christ. Thanks again for joining us for CityLift Church Online. You can go to our website, citylift.church, and on there we have all the resources for you to stay connected with us. You can go to the New Here tab if you're new. We would love to connect with you. There's also giving online, the different ways you can give. And we have our Zoom groups, which are happening all throughout the week. Ways for you to connect with other people, pray together, and just have fun. So go to our website, go to our Instagram, at citylift.church to stay up to date too. And we'll see you guys soon.